guys today. Do seriously want to encourage you, if you're able, come to prayer tonight. Um, you know, for us to actually see God the way he wants us to see, it, it comes through prayer. Our eyes are open through praying and seeking his face. And uh, we can only do so much. We need God We need God to move. We need God to do what only God can do. So we're going to be praying tonight at 6 o'clock. And then the 19th, uh, so not the following Sunday, but the Sunday after that, we're going to be praying again at 6 o'clock. Come out, invite people to come. Um, we're going to pray and, and just really seek the Lord's face and see what God does. Um, I am excited about sharing this word with you today. I was praying about um, what to share. A lot of us ladies yesterday were at a, a women's conference and we had a great time fellowshipping and hanging out. And um, I knew that I was going to be speaking there and then speaking um, this morning. So I was like, okay, God, I need you to, to come. And uh, in my weakness, he is strong. Amen. So uh, I'm really excited about this word and this series, 2020 Vision. Of course, we had to do that sermon series. We were at a pastor's um, meeting and they were making fun of things. They're like, how many people are going to do a series called 2020 Vision? I'm like, psh, psh, psh. yeah, <laughs> we have to. Like, we We've been waiting for that. And they were like, well, okay, you guys can, you know, you guys can do it. You have to do it because, you know, obviously um, 2020 vision. So here we are. And as I was praying and saying, God, what, what do we need? You know, moving into this new year, this new decade, what do we really need to be more like you? And I feel like the Lord has been placing this on my heart for several months. Um, and it is the word contentment. Oh, it is a virtue, a Christian virtue that is not cultivated in the American church very much. Um, we don't really even talk too much about contentment, but contentment is it is something that God wants his people to experience. As Americans, we're always looking for the more, the better, the bigger, um, The uh, even looking at the way our food is done now. If you look at the way McDonald's prepared their food in the 1950s compared to now, I mean, everything has always, we, we want bigger and better and more convenient and easier. That the American way, but God as uh, wants His people to be content. And so I want to open with this scripture um, found in uh, Philippians four eleven through thirteen. It says, and this is Paul talking. He says, "I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance." Can you say content? Amen. What? Ever the circumstance. And then he goes on and says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We always say that part of the verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do you know how many Christians has that, have that verse right there? Philippians 4.13 as their life verse. But when we read it in context, it is you got to learn contentment in order to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That means you need to learn contentment when you have everything going good and when everything's going wrong. And so today I really want to break down contentment because, see, uh, one translation actually says I've learned um, the secret, right here, I learned the secret, or one translation says I've learned the mystery of contentment. So it's saying secret and mystery in the scriptures shows us that it's not something that just comes easily by. It's not just something that everybody has. It's something that we really do have to learn. And so I want to kind of just explain to you um, contentment. The title of my message today is The Secret to living your best life 
and 2020. And that secret is contentment. Oh, man, not a quick fix, but contentment. So contentment, this mystery, it doesn't come naturally, right? It's not something that we just wake up with. It, it, it's something that we have to, it's not easy for humans to really get this down. It's something that we have to learn in good situations and in bad situations. Matter of fact, when Paul wrote this letter of Philippians, he wrote it while he was sitting in prison. He talked about contentment in prison. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, we have a hard time talking about contentment when, when, when everything is just not going perfect. But sitting in prison is when he is writing about contentment. To have contentment, we must understand it. We have to understand what is contentment. What does it really mean? What is Paul talking about? Well, there's two things that I believe that contentment really means. One, it means fullness. And to be full or complete uh, is... You, some of us have finished fabulous meals before, right? When mommy cooks, right? <laughs> when my kids, where are they at? Um, <laughs> and you feel just, or when dad cooks, when my papa cooks, uh, it's just like, oh, you feel just full afterwards. You don't need any, another bite. You're just, you feel good and nice and content. A lot of us don't understand that because, like me, I, you know, we like to overeat. But when we really feel full and content, because it was just, it was just good. That it was just perfect, right? I think of fullness that way. We lean, we learn to um, be full in Christ, though, because there's a void in every human's heart that wants more, and so. We try to fill it with other things, with accolades, with uh, promotions at our job, with having a perfect marriage or perfect family or looking perfect, at least, on the outside. But really, the only thing that can truly fill us is Christ. And then satisfaction. Oh, to be satisfied. It doesn't mean that you're satisfied with yourself, but that your happiness is not independent, separated, and not controlled by your circumstances. This level of maturity, it's hard to come by. It's not by manipulation. It's not by fantasy. It's not by pretense. It's only, we only truly learn it again in Christ. A person who is full and satisfied is free from the pressures and the manipulations of the world to live your best life. I'm so tired of people talking about living my best life. What is that? What it is, is it always makes us look at someone else and feel like we don't measure up. <laughs> that's, not God's, that's not God's plan for his people. So what if we fail to realize our best kept secret to live in our best, kept, our best life is learning to be content? We don't have to live unhappy and unfulfilled lives. We can develop contentment in a culture that is always wanting more. Because our culture is always wanting more, bigger, better. The American dream fulfilled. Friends, it, it, there's, there's things that are dreams and there's things that are fantasies. And I think that the American dream has become uh, such an idol in our country that it's more like an American fantasy. And we have to realize that is not God's desire for us. It's not that we don't, um, you know, pursue things. It's not that we don't go after things. I'm going to explain that we are supposed to have that drive, but not to the point that we're striving and never content. God wants us to learn contentment in a culture that always wants more. So I'm going to share with you seven practices that will help you cultivate 
contentment. Okay, so here's these seven practices. At first, I only had six, but yes, I did add one more, and I'm really glad about this extra one I added. So seven practices to help you cultivate contentment. Who's ready for it? You guys ready? I didn't do 20, and it doesn't spell anything, but it's just something. It's just seven awesome things to cultivate. Yes, seven is God's number. Come on. Got someone listening over here. Number one, if you want to cultivate contentment, we need to stop comparing. Look to your neighbor and say, stop comparing. Yeah. Got you looking to your neighbor to say that because that's what we always do. We're looking to our neighbor and we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, the Kardashians or whoever. We're trying to figure out how can we be, how can we have the coolest thing that they have. They got a new truck. We need a new truck. They got a new little gadget and toy and iPhone and whatever, and we need to get that, right? Uh, they, what was that, our favorite Christmas um, show that we used to watch, and they were competing with the lights, like the one neighbor put up lights? Deck the halls, man. That's, I, I didn't even watch it this year. You know, we always got to keep up with everybody else because we're constantly comparing. And let me tell you, friends, in the generation of social media, some of you guys are on it like that, but this younger generation that's up and coming that's on social media as well as ourselves, I mean, honestly, Facebook is more boomers than anything else now. <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay, boomer. I hate it when they say that. I'm like, I'm a Gen X. I am not a boomer, not even close. Uh, anyway, um, I'm like, I don't just, yeah, that's it. Have you guys ever heard that? Have you guys heard that? That's a young people thing. They say, they say, yeah, okay, boomer, meaning you're old and out of touch. I can be old and out of touch if that's what you want to call it, but say okay, Xer, because that's what I am. Get it right. Anyway, um, <laughs> that is a side note. has nothing to do with my message. That's just me telling my teens about themselves. <laughs> okay, boomer. Anyway, stop comparing. We need to stop. And I'm telling you, this is a struggle. I'm going to just be really honest with you. This is something I struggle with. It is something I struggle with. Matter of fact, uh, the reason I, I actually wrote a blog about this, and uh, it came from I was on Facebook one day after being bored and not having nothing to do. And so instead of enjoying my own life, I'm scrolling through and looking at everybody else's life and how great everybody else is doing while I'm sitting here bored. And then I came across um, someone that I respect, and, and uh, she was getting ready to do this women's conference, and she was asking people, what are local speakers? And I've known this lady um, for years, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, let me look. And I'm looking and they're listing all these names, some of them my friends who started preaching after me. And I was like, oh, I was happy for them that they got listed. But I was just waiting for one of them to say Joy Hester and nobody did. And I was, and I've, I'm being honest. I was like, oh, my heart, it felt, it felt bad. I was like, no one notices me. I'm not as good as these people. And, and I'm just being honest. Like, that is, that's hard. When we're constantly comparing, oh, what about them? How, how do they make it out uh, living in, in, in the nice neighborhood in Waterville? I'm still stuck here in South Toledo. I mean, how, what about their church? They playing it after us, and they've already grown faster than us. What about, what, you know, what about this or what about that? Look at their marriage. They're always happy going on vacations until you're up, and here I am, barely can get out of Ohio. I mean, come on. We do that. We're always comparing. And this is the thing. Uh, Stephen Furrick said that we compare our behind-the-scene mess to everybody else's highlight wheel. And, it, it, and we got to be so careful to not do that. Because you know what? People aren't saying, I just got in the worst fight with my husband ever on Facebook. They don't say that, but it happens. People aren't saying, my teenager just said, okay, boomer to me for the third time today, right? People don't say that, but it happens. People don't say, man, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting up there telling you, I lost, uh, you know, 20 pounds. People ain't telling you, I just messed up and down the cheesecake today. I mean, people don't put that on Facebook, but it happens. 
but it happens. And so for us to cultivate <laughs> contentment, we have to realize we got to stop comparing ourselves. The only person we should compare ourselves to is who we used to be and where we're going. Okay, because uh, that's where we know that we grow. Like Paul said, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, stri- I'm striving, I'm moving forward. I'm not where I want to be yet, but I still have to push forward. I'm not where I was a year ago. Thank God he's already, he's grown me since 2019, Joy. 2020, Joy, is grown, right? And that's how we have to do. We have to stop comparing ourselves because this is the thing. True contentment comes from accepting Christ, having faith in him, that we have everything that we need in him for life and godliness. Christ is sufficient and his promises are enough. They're enough. They're enough. I don't have to be like anyone else besides who God made me to be. I'm peculiar enough just being me. (laughs) And so are you. And so are you. So stop comparing. We need contentment in 2020. Something else we need is we need to be grateful. First, learn to give thanks in all things. Paul understood this. He learned to give thanks in every circumstance. Every circumstance. And he exhorted all believers to do the same. Thankfulness is the first of all matters of obedience in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Ephesians 5.18. But it's also the characteristic of a spirit-filled believer in Ephesians 5. You want to be a spirit-filled believer and we can speak in tongues all day, prophesy all day. But if you are grumpy and never thankful, that's not being spirit-filled, friends. You might have a gift of speaking in tongues, but that is not being spirit-filled. We have to be thankful. And some of us, we are naturally a little bit more pessimistic. Let's just be real. We all have our bends, right? Some of us, we're, we're happy-go-lucky, always happy. And some of us, we're, we're more on the Debbie Downer side. That's just the way our bent. That's our personality. Or as we would like to say, we're realist. <laughs> but this is the thing. You have to make a habit of learning to be thankful. For me, uh, people think that thankfulness comes easier or that I'm always happy, but they don't know me. My real personality, who I really am, is I am very hard on myself and on everybody else. No one's doing exactly what I think they should be doing. Let's just be real, I, besides Papa. Um, no one else lives up to that expectation for me. And, and this is the thing. I had to learn to be grateful. And so what, one of the things that I do to cultivate thankfulness and gratefulness is I make a list I'm a list person. Oh, boy, I am. I make a list. At the end of every month, I do. I use this tool called Cultivate What Matters. And at the end of every month, I review my month. And I write what memories I'm thankful for, what people I'm thankful for. And then I make myself sometimes either send a text or a good old-fashioned hand card in the mail telling people that I'm thankful that they helped me with this. I, write, I go old school and write thank you notes because it's so important for us to cultivate thankfulness and being grateful. My mother-in-law, who's here with us today, has this picture in her kitchen. I need to get one. I love it. It says, what if you woke up today with only the things you thanked God for yesterday? Sometimes we don't even thank God for our own family or the roof over our head. Like, we would be homeless and alone, <laughs> most of us, if we, only woke, if we woke up tomorrow with only what we thank God for today. You know, um, the other day, my youngest son, Justice, uh, he, he was sleeping, and they'd been all off schedule. And uh, he was—he somehow ended up in my bedroom. He's been doing better in his own bed, but he ended up in my bedroom that day. And I was getting ready because I was already up. It was 
it was uh, well into the morning, probably about 10 a.m. And he woke up, and it was the funniest thing I've ever witnessed. Like, I thought it was fake at first. It was so funny. He was in a dead sleep, and he woke up, sat up real fast, and said, thank God I'm alive, and then laid back down. I mean, he, and it wasn't, I'm telling you, it was loud, just like that. And I was just like, that is the whole, most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Well, I asked him about it later. He said, Mom, I was having a dream that a shark was chasing me, and he almost got me. And when I woke up, I was just like, thank God I'm alive. I thought to myself, shouldn't we all wake up like that? Thank God I'm alive. There is still breath in my lungs. There is still something for me to do. Thank God I'm alive. Let's learn to be grateful. Amen. Let's learn learn to be grateful. That's right. So to cultivate contentment, stop comparing, learn to be grateful, and serve others. Oh, man, this will cultivate contentment if nothing else. Finally, become preoccupied with the well-being of others. See, Paul summarized this mindset in Philippians 2, 3, and 4 when he wrote, Let nothing be done out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to your own interests, but also into the interests of others. When we really learn to serve others, and I'm telling you, it's not, that's something else that's not natural for me, but I have to make myself do it. Like, I make myself, um, like, my, I've seen different people. Like, my dad, it's more natural for him to serve. Like, he, he gets a kick out of it. He likes to, like, bring people food and cook for people, and he likes to serve uh, most of the time. I know, you know, sometimes we, none of us are, are always wanting to serve. But for me... I like to be served. Like, please get my coffee and bring it to me in bed as well as breakfast. I like to be served. I like it. He ruined me that way. But (laughs) I've learned, I've learned it it, it does do something to my heart to serve. And so there's times I walk around, I'm serving my kids. I'm bringing them food all day right where they're at. They don't even have to get up. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like a full-time job when I'm done with my working, my ministry job. And I get home, my kid's home from school, and I'm serving nonstop serving. Now, I just got to get my attitude good with my serving and it'll be all straight because sometimes I'm like oh my gosh I'm not your slave (laughs) whereas actually the Bible says we're to be a slave or a servant to all right and so if we would learn to actually serve others it does help put things in perspective on Christmas day um this year they I want to give Pastor Earl Renee for those who don't know we do have two campuses um our South Little campus is located in an impoverished area and we have a vision kitchen where it serves every Monday Wednesday and Friday and we don't close even for holidays well I have served um Often on Christmas Day, I go down and I serve. It's because usually we don't have enough volunteers uh, because people don't want to serve on Christmas. They want to be with their family, which is understandable. But I this year decided um, that Josh and I were going to give Earl Renee a Christmas off because anytime that Vision Kitchen has fallen on Christmas, they always run the run the uh, ministry. And so, so Josh and I went in and. I was actually shocked, and actually Julie came with us and served too. How many people came? The last Christmas, we had more volunteers than we did um, people, so I, I wasn't expecting that many. It filled up. It filled up. It was so many, and we had just enough volunteers, but I'm telling you, those of us who volunteered, I left feeling so filled up because I served others and not just myself, not just let, what can I open and what can I get. Oh, friends, if you want to cultivate contentment, really learn to serve others. Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So serve others. If you want to cultivate contentment, stop comparing, be thankful, serve others, spend time in God's 
presence. Oh, this is such a big one, friends. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalms 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? Because I'm telling you, friends, there's times I want stuff. I want the new shoes. I want the, the new car. I want the, you know, new gadget, the new phone, the new iPad, right? I'm not the only one. There's, I mean, that's why, that's why marketers are never out of business because as Americans, we're always wanting. But the reason this scripture is true is because when we make the Lord our shepherd, when we make him our pastor, when we make him the one that can, uh, is higher than anything else, and we find our joy in him, we find our uh, contentment in him, we find our faith, our peace in him, and then we shall not want. We have, you remember back Back in the 90s, there was this Christian song. I don't even remember if it was a Christian. Yeah, well, it must have been. It said there was a God-shaped hole in all of us. You guys remember that? Anyone who was around back then? And and was it early 2000s? Yes, okay. And, and, and it talked about how we always, you know, basically try to fill it with other things. But there's a God-shaped hole in us that will not be filled with the best relationship. It doesn't matter if you have the most perfect marriage. It will not fill the God-shaped hole. It doesn't matter if you have the best-behaved children of all times. It will not fill the God-shaped hole. It doesn't matter if you have the best job making six, seven figures and you are respected. They say, yes, sir. It will not fulfill the God-shaped hole. Only his presence will. You know what? What I desire in this church more than anything is that people really want the presence of God. Like, that they want the presence of God. Not, not even just when we come to church, but please, Lord, can we get it when we come to church too? But not even just when we're in this building, but like at our workplace, with our families, at home, that you would learn to cultivate time spent with him. I, I'm, I'm getting to this place right now that, man, I, <laughs> I'll... I really need my time with God. Like, I, I'm an extrovert, but I've, the older I get, the more I've becoming more and more introvert. Like, I, I realize it's because I just need to be alone with him for just a little bit, just his presence. To begin with, a world without Christ can never be content, never. Only God can fill, the, uh, be, fill that, that hole in your heart, only his spirit. We have to learn to be alive through Christ. God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By the grace we have been saved, we need to stop losing the joy of our salvation, friends. Like, we're saved.